Welcome to all those listening to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created for both the operators in OTC as well as operators in external units thinking about joining the organization. In these podcasts, we're going to be bringing you some highly successful operators, leaders, and training specialists who will be revealing their tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve peak levels of performance. Now, sit back, take some notes, and use their experience as stepping stones for your personal success. You are listening to the Insight Through Experience Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Insight Through Experience Podcast. This is your host, Trey, and I am here with this week with Billy. He is a TACP at our organization and what makes Billy special is he just went through our selection process for the second time, and he actually got picked up, and he's going to get to start OTC this summer if the coronavirus doesn't put a pause on that. So, Billy, A, it's great to have you here, and I appreciate you doing this. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your background. Oh, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, man, so I, I uh, kind of grew up all over um, being a military family. Um so spent most of my time in New York and um, Arizona, um, and then did the whole football thing in high school. Played in college for a bit, but back in my mind, I kind of always wanted to be in the military, um, being around it. Those were those were the dudes that I always looked up to. Um, so when football was over, it was it was pretty easy to hit up the recruiter. And uh, my dad had told me, you know, if you're going to do anything, he's like, do the Air Force. That's the way to go. And He'd worked with a PJ um, and a TACP before. And so both those guys reached out, kind of gave me their insight on their career field. And TACP was pretty appealing to me. And so I went to the recruiter and was like, hey, this is what I wanted to do. And that's pretty much it. You know I'm going to corner you on your football background a little bit. Give us uh, some insight, man, because as you were going through selection, people were telling me some pretty fantastic stories about your football career. So I know you're a humble dude. But uh, just give us, give us the wave tops of what that career was like growing up. Uh, so I started playing ball a lot later um, in life, and so I didn't have that, like, pedigree coming up. And to be honest, I, I really sucked for the majority of it. Um, and I didn't really start doing anything till my senior year in high school in terms of performing. Um, I ended up getting hurt with my rotator cuff. Uh, and obviously playing quarterback, that's kind of a difficult thing. I did what I think most dudes would do, lied about it, kept trying to fire, and so – a couple games I, you know, was able to do some good things with it. Um, when that kind of started doing peed play, uh, my coach at the time was like, hey, we can move you around a bit. So I went to playing on defense um, as, a, as a strong safety, essentially, in our defense, and then played a little bit of flex, tight end, wide receiver, just anything I could do. So I used to joke with people saying, you know, what's your position as a football player? Um, so when I was done, I was kind of reaching out to some schools, seeing if I can get picked up as an athlete or, or especially a quarterback. And Blinn College out in Texas, they were kind of a premier juco at the time. Uh, they were like, hey, yeah, you can come here and you can play quarterback. And so I went there all of 185 pounds. You know, I think I, I turned 18 when I had already signed up um, and was there during summer camp. And uh, Cam Newton showed up, never uh, heard about him. But I went there thinking, you know, hey, I was going to be that dude. And a redshirt sophomore who was six foot six, you know, 240 pounds showed up too. <laughs> um, so we competed. It was kind of cool. They kept it open for a competition and they were grading us and everything. And so what ended up happening is they let me suit up every game. They're like, hey, you know, worst case scenario, you can get in there. Otherwise, you're just going to redshirt and save your eligibility. And uh, so I ended up redshirting, suiting up every game, got a national championship ring with him uh, before he, you know, went off to uh, Auburn and then. Got to play the next two years, um, redshirt sophomore year, second game of the year. I got a pinched nerve in my neck, and that was pretty much it. Um, did some kind of rehab for it. Um, it wasn't really working. I was getting really frustrated, so I wasn't going and doing all the proper physical therapy. Um, my roommate at the time was like, hey, man, try this uh, pre-workout and uh, get in the gym. It'll push you through. And so I remember just going and working out and catching spasms and stuff, and I think it helped. But by that point, I was kind of over the playing thing, and I was looking at the military option, so I started pursuing that pretty heavy. 
Wow, man. That's a that's a crazy story. I did not know that until somebody told me. Uh, we were deep into selection, and somebody's like, man, you know he backed up Cam Newton or at least competed against Cam Newton in his school and kind of blew me away. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about that behind the scenes for a while. Let me ask you this when it comes to the quarterback piece because just a game manager inside there, how is that – how has that helped or translated over to what you do in the military in your TACP role? So it's one of those things where quarterbacks that position where, you know, you, you, you the ball is always going to be in your hand. So you have kind of, you know, your touch on it. And so for me in this career field, like I wanted to be that guy, the one that you can count on, um, but also be a part of that team. And for me, I, I've always been one of those dudes where I might not be the most, you know, um, vocal leader or the most formal leader, but man, motivating people and firing dudes up to, to just get in that grind, that's kind of my niche. And so quarterback was a position where you could do that um, and, and manage it your style. And then coming into TACP, like one of the best jobs, I think, in the military is being an NCO, just bringing up the next dudes. And so for me, like the goal has always been, man, the dudes I'm in front of, I want them to be better than I was at their point. And that's how I think I measure my success. And so for leadership with them is like, man, if the guys coming up behind me can crush it and do it way better than I did, then I'm doing something right. Man, that's awesome. And let me let me ask you about something else that you said or a choice that you had to make when you came in because the way Special Warfare is moving now, guys come in kind of open contract, if you will, and they go through some of the prep course in the selection phase, and they don't get their career fields until um, later on in the pipeline now. So uh, what was it? in your mind that led you towards the TACP role versus like to say the PJ role that, that you were talking about? So the pararescueman I spoke to, um, obviously he's an awesome dude. Uh, his, his nickname or his call sign was bear. And, uh, of course he was six foot six grizzly, huge dude. And, you know, he's talking about the medical role and, you know, saving lives kind of thing. And for me, to be honest, I don't know what it is. I can see the craziest stuff, but if you tell me to put an IV in myself, I'd start to sweat. Um, <laughs> and and I'll do it, but it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, not really my thing. Um, and then one of the funniest things is there was actually a combat controller who was doing the pass test who he asked me, he was like, hey, have you thought about combat controller? And I was like, I, I don't know what that is, uh, which I've obviously found out that's a cool gig too. At the time, I wasn't tracking it. And he was like, man, He's like, TAC-P is like a Toyota Tacoma. It's pretty cool. And he's like, combat control is like a Ferrari. And so for me, I sat back and, you know, I was like, man, Tacomas are pretty sweet. You can drive them on the highway. You can take them off road. You can build them up. You can keep them stock. And so that kind of sold the piece for me there. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of the, you know, I, I had, I was biased and I'll, I'll preface that as I was biased going in. And so there was not really anything that was going to convince me from doing that particular job. Yeah, I think one thing we've done right at the 724 in the past few years is just um, gone out and hunt, hunted for and bringing a lot more tack piece to our selection process. Um, and we we have a, I think, what is there, nine or ten in the fire shop that's spread out over the entire group as well who are just some of the best that I've ever worked with or been around. So how did you end up at the 724 and what's that experience been like? Uh, so I was deployed to Afghanistan and it was actually one of the coalition bubbles like from our allies that were like, Hey, um, 724, like that, that's the move for the air force. And I was like, Oh, I didn't really know too much about it. I was, um, pretty much hell bent on going to the, um, 17th STS is kind of the, you know, the tack P way forward. Um, for the most part, at least at the time. And so, I didn't know anything about it. And the, uh, the commander was like, Hey, I'd, I'd write you a recommendation, but you should reach out. And of course, as fate would have it, I see an email 724 looking for tag piece for the fire shop. So I looked at the email and the email was pretty much like, yeah, you don't have this. I think I was like one for six on the things they were looking for. <laughs> um, so I, you know, asked my supervisor, I was like, Hey, should I, should I email them? What should I do? And I was like, you know, I told them what I wanted to do and I just wanted to ask them directly. And so I reached out to the, um, the head guy of the fire shop and kind of introduced myself, asked for his advice. Cause he's, you know, he's been doing it for a while. He did the 17th gig and, um, he responded with his response and I just stayed pretty persistent. I was like, Hey, I want to come up there. And I figured the other five things I needed were things I could obtain. So I got back from deployment on Friday and that following Monday, I submitted a package and I don't even think they were looking at them or wanted them yet. 
and I pretty much just hit them up as much as I could and annoyed them until they were like, hey, come come give us a shot. Yeah, that's good. I would also argue, and the two recruiters who handle that side of the house will probably shoot me in the face for saying this, but yeah, a lot of times folks will put in their application and they're in a position open yet, but that position will eventually come open just like you're talking about. And if if you're not staying in contact with them, uh, that application might get overlooked. So that was good that you did that. Um, what explain to me, cause some, some folks may or may not know, or the TACPs out there who are thinking about having that same decision of, man, do I go the 17th or the 24th? What, what swayed it to you? What, what made you go, uh, the 724 route? So the guys I were deployed with, they did a mission set more in line with what the 724 did. Um, and that was something that, I mean, I spent all that time working with them around them. And I was just like, man, this is, this is the mission I personally want to do. The 17th is awesome. They are crushing it as everyone knows. Um, but just me personally, like in my heart, I, maybe it was foolish on me to convince myself, but I locked in that the 724 was it. It was that or bust. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a matter of, you know, of if, but when, and I, I convinced myself that that's where I belonged. Yeah, that's a good point. Just for maybe some um, trade mentorship out there for everybody listening who's attack P and trying to make that decision. It's just, it's preference. You just got to try to get as educated as you can on both of those and make the decision that's, that's best for you. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Hey, um, let's move into uh, your life right now inside the organization. What's that? What's the life like at the 2-4 SDS right now for you? Oh, life's good. It'd be the simple way to put it. Um, so I've been here for about a year, a little bit over a year. Um, some, something you learn quick is how you don't know anything. Um, there's always something that, to learn. There's always something to improve on tactically. The biggest thing for me here was just bigger than that at the strategic level and up kind of learning those, you know, what's going on in the world and why. Um, there's always training opportunities. Guys are always challenging each other. Um, and then we have, you know, the opportunity of, of the research and development bit, which um, you're not going to get anywhere else. So it's, it's good. Yeah, I try to relay that to a lot of people, folk, uh, a lot of guys too in the recruiting briefs of, man, that is unique of you see a need for something, uh, you put in a little request, go talk to some folks up in our A staff, and there will be a lot of money thrown towards it to get you what you need. And, you know, you ask around, nobody raises their hand when I ask, how is that process here? Does it exist? It exists nowhere. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so why put in a package um, to move over to the operator side at the, at the 724. So the moment I learned about the mission set and, you know, what the operator's role is being around them, seeing the team dynamic in the room, how they execute, you know, in training, um, and then reading, you know, the, um, sit reps, man, 724 operator, consummate professional capable of taking on any fight, anytime, any place truly. So it wasn't even a question. I think everybody should put that application in based on that. So going into your first assessment and selection uh, last October, what was that like for Billy? Because it sounds like you're really motivated to do it. Sounds, and I remember, man, you showed up and were impressive. Um, just your attitude and 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 how we perceived you when you entered the process. What was your mindset going into it? So again, I you know had had convinced that it didn't matter how many times I'd go do that. You know, it's just a matter of. of of when we'd be married up, but I was incredibly nervous. And that first selection, I was overly concerned on whether or not I'd be hired versus focusing on what was in front of me. Um, and I think that forced me to be a bit gun shy throughout the process. In what way? Explain that. So I was really caught up on, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, the ANS was doing versus just being myself. Um, and so I ended up pretty much becoming my own my own enemy through that process because um, it's one of those things where you have to go in there open-minded and, and focused on what's in front of you and know that it's not you know the assessment and screening against us or anything it's just giving us that platform and giving us the opportunity to, to you know take advantage of it and show why we belong and I kind of underperformed in that category. And I'm not sitting here trying to throw salt on wounds because uh, the secret is that I relayed up front as uh, Billy did just come through our second selection uh, that we just got done in March and he got picked up. So 
Looking back at that first selection, what did you learn about yourself? Uh, what were those things that were uncovered that you're like, yep, got to shore that up if I'm going to make it? Uh, one of the biggest things out the gate was I was definitely my worst uh, enemy during the process um, in terms of just kind of that doubt um, and then really focusing on when I underperformed versus taking that feedback and just kind of, you know, take one or two notes from that, start fresh going to the next thing. Um, the other other thing was just where I was gun shy in terms of leadership. I was kind of nervous to be myself, as I was saying earlier, is like my niche is, you know, to be that kind of motivator and that fiery guy and being in an unknown environment with dudes I didn't know, I was really reserved and, and didn't show them what I was really about. Um, and honestly, that you know, those are, I guess, the, the negatives on the things learned. The positives is it further fueled my convictions because you guys do do a good job of giving that critical feedback and it's all measurable stuff to improve on. All that did for me was just fuel the fact that I wanted it more. Uh, stepping outside yourself right now, looking back at your first selection, and I know this might be hard because I know they blend together too when you have um, seminal moments in your life uh, that are so close together too because you came back uh, through back-to-back selections. But what were some of the things that you saw the guys around you during that selection, both the guys who got picked up? What were they doing that you were like, man, I know that guy's getting picked up because he's doing this? And then what is the on the opposite end? I see some guys not being very successful, uh, and that's probably not going to get them picked up. What were some of those things that you noticed? So the guys who were, weren't successful, they were the ones that were kind of pacing back and forth and overly concerned with what's next, what are they going to do, when's it coming? Uh, the guys who were, were successful and that you could tell were successful, they kind of had that calm, uh, that laser focus where it was not focused on what if or when or, you know, it's just one of those, hey, when that task drops, I'm going to do it at the highest level I can. And you can feel that when guys are like focused in like that versus the guys who are, are psyching themselves out essentially. Now, this is a very tough question, and I know you're not an expert, nor am I, but what do you think the difference between those two types of people are? Is it preparation? Is it personality-based? What's your assumption after going through two selections and, and seeing that? Shoot. Um, preparation, I think, is one of the one of the things that, you know, coming up here, because you, you, you don't really know. Obviously, you hear the rumors and stuff, but we can control certain things. Um, whether it's physical training, the you know mental preparation, or the job knowledge, and I think some of the guys might fail in prepping one or the two, especially on the weaker points. So they already come up here with a bit of self doubt. Whereas the guys who come up here crushing it, you could tell they put in that work in every aspect, both on and off the field, where they come up here without any doubt in themselves, like they know they belong and they prove it when they come up here. Let me ask you this: Did you see that confidence? Um, and, and some guys in, in the two selections that you were in who were actually pretty inexperienced guys in the career field? Oh, absolutely. There were guys who were crushing it. Um, and, and, you know, I had the privilege of seeing them on some of the events, and I'm like, we'd go back to the, you know, team area, and one of the first things they'd say or throw out there was that they were inexperienced. They'd kind of sell themselves short, and I would take those guys aside and be like, hey, it doesn't matter because you are absolutely smashing it right now. And so all that, you know, hey, I don't have experience, doesn't matter, especially up here. What they want is they want to do this competent, who knows his job, the experience will come. Yeah, I just want to drive that point home. I'm glad you saw it that way as well because it's amazing sitting on my side of it and seeing these young guys who are hungry and just want to do it so bad and come up with some confidence and they just crush it. And then you see the older guys who come up and – I think, like you said, they kind of hold back a little bit. They're kind of scared to throw it out there. Um, and usually they're the ones who underperform and we're like, wow, we predicted something totally different because you look at his resume and it's stacked. And then, you know, those are the same guys who feel like they have to perform to a certain level and put more stress on themselves. So it's a very interesting dichotomy when you're watching those two types of people come through the process. All right, so the first time, don't mean to bring up bad moments, but I know you as an a extremely positive guy, and I know you rocked yourself right through this tough time, but describe your mental state um, when the commander looked at you and said we weren't be hiring you for OTC that first selection. So, yeah, man, I think I was like damn near about to cry um, just because of how important it was and how, how much it mattered. Um, but it's one of those things where when he told me that, I kind of 
you know, new, I guess, again, being the enemy of my own self. But I also got a playbook on the feedback. And so, again, it goes back to that. It's not a matter of, of uh, if, but when. So the goal, as soon as he said no, was I already knew I was going to come back, um, take that playbook of feedback, and I was going to come back fiery and, and damn near undisputed so that we can uh, marry up. All right, before we lose that point, what would you tell, let's imagine you have a stage and you can talk to every tech peer, let's just see every special warfare operator that's out there who's thinking about this. Why does Billy, what would Billy tell them? What's the reason why they should at least come up and try this process? You can't fail at this selection. There is, there is no failing. There is no loss out of this. You don't need any experience. You don't need any more time. And none of those excuses. So what I tell people is, man, don't be afraid to put it out there because you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn about your perceptions from your teammates and kind of your, your weak areas. Um, no, nothing's held back in terms of that feedback. And if you truly want it, it doesn't matter how many times it's going to take because as long as you're showing that improvement, you'll get that shot to come back. Something stands out about you to me and always has since I met you was your ability to absorb feedback and not take it personally and use it for the betterment. Where did that, where did you develop that? Where did that come from? So the feedback bit is got to put the ego aside. If you're getting feedback, it's, and especially if it's that critical feedback where it's like, Hey, you suck at this because X, Y, and Z. Well, now you have, those measurables to improve on by improving that not only are you improving yourself, but you're going to improve your squadron. You're going to improve your unit and you're going to improve the overall mission. That's what it's about. So for me, it's one of those things where I'm a bit biased because this is my job, but I am passionate about it. So if I can do anything to improve the end state and that mission success, that's worth it. Where'd you get that from though? Is that something your dad taught you? Is that a parent thing? Is that just who you are intrinsically? Like where'd that come from? Uh, it's gotta be some of the parents. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've been blessed where my family, um, even from my grandparents on, like they immigrated over here. They have been the type of people who work hard, don't complain about working hard, do the right thing. Doesn't matter who's, you know, paying attention. And, um, it's one of those where being, being a morally sound person far outweighed anything else. And so, you know, when you grow up and you see your parents working two jobs, um, to make Christmas for you kind of pay off is one of those things where I held on to that near and dear. And so um, something you can't take away is, is being a good person and putting in that work ethic, putting in that time. So it, it made it easy for me to kind of embody that and really, you know, just live it. Yeah. I, to me, I think as I have been doing this for so long, that is probably the biggest roadblock to most people is that ability to take feedback um, I think a lot of people, a they'll they get defensive about it, and I see some of that myself too. Um, growing up as an operator inside the organization, we didn't get a lot of feedback. The process was a lot different. But um, guys who just don't take it well up front, um, it takes them a long time to process what was said. Sometimes they don't agree with it and just won't change. But I think, honestly, I think we're hiring a lot more people like you now because that's what this process is identifying, which is awesome. And I also think that guys like you inside of OTC, it's just going to be this healthy freaking, are you going to create a healthy culture that's going to help people who don't have um, the ability to do that as well as you? I think they'll be able to learn from you. So I guess I'm giving you a lot of kudos here, which you are well-deserved, but I look forward to seeing you progress through OTC because I think you're going to be good for that culture. All right, so we talked about the commander telling you that you weren't selected. You getting some feedback. So, what was your strategy? What was your strategy from October to, to March to get ready to rebound? Uh, so, like I said earlier, the seven two four, like ANS, they give you those measurables for improvement. So, my goal right out the gate was to take those, make those improvements significant, put in that time, and still improve overall as a person so getting back into school making sure personal life you know if my wife and my dog are good and, and not not letting anything sacrifice finding that balance um, and then going and seeking more feedback from operators from my peers and fires um, and then forcing myself to to be challenged at work so that I was constantly improving um, but also seeing measurable improvement so this way i'm not wasting your guys time by coming back either Grade yourself um, one to ten, ten being the best. Grade yourself on how you think when 
when you showed up for the combine that first morning, how prepared you were this time? Uh, second time, 10. And that's 10. not a pat on the back. Um, that's, that's one of those, you guys gave me the playbook. I went and took advantage of all the POTIF and HPO, um, you know, was open with them as to what my shortfalls were and, um, and, and told them, hey, it's not one of those things where it's, it's talent and, and hard work. And it became an obsession. So looking back out at everybody who's coming for their first time and knowing what you know now, and you just men- mentioned the POTIF and HPO teams, and most units have those now. Some of them don't, but most of them do. What is Billy telling all those all those guys who are getting ready to come, give it a shot? What what should they be doing so they don't have to uh, maybe relive and come through a second one? I'd say take advantage of that mental preparation and physical preparation because the job stuff you can control, but if you've got the POTUS and HPO staff, go to them, leave your ego at the door, tell them your shortfalls, tell them what you're nervous about, have them assess you and give you their input because if they're doing it they obviously care about your success take it to heart and improve on it because what you can control is that time and that effort put into each of those things how would you rate our hpo and POTUS staff at the 724 10 10 out of 10 why so you've got people that come in dialed in same mentality as a 724 operator here they're going to give you their best they're going to constantly seek improvement you can give them feedback but man they are there to make you the best version of yourself, knowing what you can do for the organization and the mission. Uh, let's talk about Coach Curtis real quick. How was his his preparation for you leading up to the second one? Oh, the mad scientist. Um, that was honestly a blessing having him because he's one of those guys that he can just, you see him start going to work in his mind, putting up these famous workouts. And when he starts writing them up, you know, I think for a second, like, man, he's trying to kill me. <laughs> um, and then you start putting them in and you realize that he's building you up. Um, he's focusing on what your, your weaknesses are, making them your strengths. And so it's, it's one of those things where I'd even text him off duty and be like, Hey, you know, what can I do right now? And he'd take the time to fire back and give me a workout. Yeah. I don't know of one, whether it's a physical therapist, an athletic trainer or a strength coach, I don't know of one of them that if you text them, outside of work, they would not drop what they're doing to get back with you and make sure you got what you need. It's a special, special staff. One other point I'd like to make on that too is our staff, like we have a workout posted on the website. For those of you who don't know, you can go to the 724 Special Tactics Group website. Just Google it. Uh, It'll be the first return. Down towards the bottom, you'll see a POTIF-derived workout or a strength coach-derived workout. Actually, Coach Curtis developed that one. And what I would say is, your strength coach doesn't necessarily have to use that one or you don't have to use that one to prep. But what I will tell you is you can contact us and our strength coaches will talk to your strength coaches and give them some tips. This isn't about um, trying to hide what we're doing up here. We, we will reveal pretty much what we're going to do when you get here because we want to see if you can train for it. We related a lot to the NFL combine of they know exactly what they're going to do when they show up at the combine and they have to reform. And we kind of feel the same way about our entire selection process. Would you say that is accurate or give me your experience with that? Was there a lot of unknowns your first selection? Uh, not in terms of, of what to prepare for. Cause like you said, I'd go on the website and see it. And fortunately I'm up here, uh, you know, to work with coach Curtis, but you go on there and my first look at the seven, two, four page, what the stuff that was on there for the preparation um, in terms of, physical preparation and then also you know when you get the package it tells you what to focus on it doesn't hide anything if you focus on what's there you will come here and have all the tools to to be successful yeah and i think and i understand it because hey i started the marine corps so i got they play games constantly so it kind of turned me into this i'm always watching for the games and and there's got to be a game involved in this uh, but we have tried to move away from that model and selection. It's just up front. We're going to give you a stage. And I know Billy's tired of hearing this because we said it a lot during selection, but we're going to give you a stage and all we want to do is watch you perform with no games involved. So I think it's important for folks um, who are about to raise their hand and come up to the process of just come up here. Like Billy said, be open to the process, be yourself, and everything will turn out exactly the way it's supposed to. If you don't get picked up, you're going to leave there better because we're going to give you feedback. All right, Billy, let's move on to um, what was it like? So you turned in your package 
for the phase one board again in the spring. Um, we invited you back. What's that mentality like now knowing that, that you're going to have to do it all over again? All right. So I'll start with this again, because I'm biased, but I look at the selection opportunity as a blessing and something that most people are never going to have a chance to doing. So it's, it is not a negative thing whatsoever. So coming back was positive. The anxiety of waiting to get the nod to come back is really what was eating me up. Um, and, and like I said earlier, set aside the talent, the hard work. I was obsessed with coming and proving that point um, and earning a spot and, and showing you guys I belong. I just another, and this is just trying to be informational for those who are out there that don't know, but um, the, the fall selection and the spring selection make up the next OTC class. So pretty much I think the anxiety that Billy's talking about too is if you if you don't get picked up in the spring selection, then you're going to have to wait a whole another year to start OTC. So I'm guessing that was part of the anxiety. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah, so it's a tough one. So if, if Billy missed it this time, then – a, there's got to be a decision whether he come back to another selection, and B, it's definitely not going to be this OTC. So definitely some anxiety there that I can see. Um, was it harder knowing what's coming up during selection than not knowing and why? So I think knowing is harder. Uh, so anyone out there listening, don't ask your friends. Don't try to reach out there and try to game it. Um, you know, Seek some advice for preparation, but you don't want to know. Because when you know you have the temptation to throttle or think about what's next, and then there goes another conscious effort to make sure that, you know, you're treating each event like it's potentially your last. So for me, knowing, harder. Uh, that's a great, great point. Uh, you used the word throttle, and for me and you, that has some context in the process. But explain what you mean by throttle to those out there who haven't been through selection yet. So you're concern on overall performance or what's next so you're not putting your maximum effort when you come up here they don't know us individually they don't know what our max effort is and what it's not so by throttling you could potentially you know undersell yourself or you know look like you didn't prepare um, and that's what i was saying you got to you know treat each event um, like it's potentially your last because it might be and, and if you were going to go out do you want to go out with doubt as to whether or not that was your maximum effort or do you want to go out knowing wholeheartedly you put your best foot forward yeah, perfect. Said perfectly. And I'm saying this just because, you know, not just for people that are coming up with the 724 selection process, but maybe some of those special warfare trainees who are about to go through um, selection down at Lackland. Uh, your instructors or your cadre don't know the difference between you throttling your effort and your max effort. So if you throttle on an event and you don't do as hard as you could or as good as you could, that's what they think you are. Um, they don't have the ability to see, oh, he could have done a, another minute faster. Um, you get what the stopwatch says. So keep that in mind when you decide, hey, I need to hold back. Sometimes that is going to be the worst thing for you. I think it's a great point. Um, what was the experience like for you during your second selection? So we changed some things up. We started at the hotel this time to do day zero. What was that whole experience like um, from day zero to the time you got told that you're picked up? So I showed up again, fired up, motivated, and humbled to be back, especially so soon. Um, and, you know, I had that kind of confidence and mindset going in that all my preparation was to make sure that not only would I put my best foot forward, but I'd be there to, you know, give my teammates everything so we can go on as a team as long as we needed. Um, you know, the, the, the first half of selection, <laughs> redemption was on my mind, which was kind of a, a fault where I'd have to kind of push that aside. Um, as it went on, um, it was easy to kind of let that go and just really have that laser focus on, on what's at hand and what's in front of us. Describe the environment for somebody who, because you know what it's like to not know what's going to happen before your first selection. And guys are sitting out there, some of them trying to make a decision, do I want to go through something like this again? I've took me forever to get this far, and now I'm going to have to go submit myself to something maybe torturous. Just describe the environment, how the relationships are with the people you're meeting, Any anything you can to help clarify that for people who don't know. Yep. So you're coming down here with a bunch of, you know, like-minded guys who are, who are at the top of their respective units. Um, when you come down here, what I'd offer up is, one, be yourself. Two, there is no time to really, you know, open up. You have to come here and just put it out there and know that, Everyone's here for the right reason. And those guys that are truly here and, and, and you know, truly want to be here, 
they're going to, they're going to get through, they're going to make it, they're going to earn a spot. And so there is no competing against anyone else. So you come up here, really the only person you're competing with yourself. Um, and, and that's kind of my advice for, for folks that are not sure. Explain to me how you process that thought of you're not competing with the guy next to you. You're, you're competing with yourself. How does Billy translate that as you're going through some of those events? So you get surrounded by a bunch of studs. It's hard not to see what they're doing and use that as a measurable, but you can't because everyone's got strengths. Everyone's got weaknesses. Uh, what the 724 is looking for, they have that model and those attributes. So you can't be concerned with, you know, the guy to the left or right with you in terms of how they're performing. You have to show them that you as the individual can, can give your best foot and that you will mold well with that team because everybody's expected to be a high-level performer, everybody's expected to be a subject matter expert. That team will come together down the road. But when you're here at the ANS, you you have to give them your best effort, and you can't measure that against anyone else. Billy, man, I feel like I'm making you regurgitate a lot of things that we say to the group during selection. But I just want to hear how you process it because to me, your brain is uh, pretty interesting, and in how you process things very maturely, I might add. But um, when we talk about a lot of guys will show up here and we'll ask them, hey, how do they think they're performing? And they're, they'll tell me sometimes, hey, not good, but I'm not going to quit. What is what is your opinion on guys who just show up saying, hey, no matter what happens, I'm just not going to quit? So like I was saying before, when you come up here, you are that dude, so to speak. So when you're up here saying that you're not going to quit or whatever, it doesn't matter, you're not going to quit. That doesn't matter. That's kind of the expectation, right? You're coming up here to be on this this level of performance. Man, nobody's up here to quit. So what you need to do is come up here dialed in to prove that it doesn't matter how terrible the situation, how hard and stressful it might be, you're still going to be in that fight. You're still going to be that fiery guy pushing towards the enemy. And so that's one of those things where I caution people to come up here with it. Well, hey, at the very least, I'm not going to quit. That's the expectation from the dudes that come up here. Yeah, well said. I couldn't have said that any better. All right, so at the end of selection, um, we ask the guys a whole bunch of questions, um, and they input their answers. So I'm looking at a few of Billy's right here, and I'm looking at everybody's actually. But question number two that we asked him was, how physically challenging was selection on a scale of 1 to 10? Explain what led you to rate this evolution as you did. And so Billy's answer here was 10, and this is for his second selection. It was a 10 out of 10. And he said, if you don't rate this a 10, you did not invest your effort to push push out of your comfort zone. I constantly push hard whatever I have in the tank for that task. Go ahead and explain what you meant there. So that was that going back to the throttling thing there there was no throttling so what i was looking at is each event was that stage that 724 put me on to show and so what i was going to do was show everything i had to accomplish that task that was right in front of me at each event um how do you feel you did uh in terms of so whatever was given given to me i gave my best and it sounds probably cliche to say but whatever i felt after each event Man, the, the one thing I didn't have any doubt on was you got the best effort I could give you at that moment. Just for my edification, what event did you walk away from? It was like, crap, I, I should have done a little bit better there. <sighs> well, there's a couple. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest one for me would have been the mission planning Um where you know we were set as a group, where I was kind of told, you know, hey, I can't participate. Um, and I had at this point made a pretty solid relationship with the teammates, where they would, you know, know kind of where I was coming from. Well, there's an opportunity for me to kind of help them out. Um, and nine out of ten times, I'd have just been like, hey, this is what we have to do. Whereas I kind of was concerned with what happened in the fall, and I I was gun shy. I was like, you know what? hey, this is my opinion. They didn't want to hear it. I didn't really press because I didn't want them to kind of, you know, hate me for it. Um, and that kind of screwed us over. Um, in what way? Event. Without giving too much away, in what way did it, do you think it screwed them over? Uh, so, you know, if I'd have been a little bit more pressing, um, we could have focused more of our energy towards the, the task at hand. Instead, too many guys, we were, we were spread way too thin in ideas. 
And so when the final product was to come together as a team, you, I mean, you didn't have to poke holes in there. There's plenty of holes on it on its own. So if you could go back and do that over again, what would that look like? What would Billy's actions look like? Uh, if I could go back, I would have stuck with what kind of what my instinct was there where it wasn't, hey, my plan is better than yours by any means. No. Um, but I did have kind of an idea that would have kept everyone in line. And so going back, my approach would be, hey, you know, this is what we are going to do. Um, and at that point with the dynamic of the team, those guys would have, you know, followed me into that right, wrong, or indifferent. It would have been one single point decision for that planning based on time, based on what we had. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, turn that into a takeaway for guys who haven't been through the process yet. What did you learn from that? What would you advise others to do from that lesson that you just learned? So when you are in that or in that uh, situation, or you're going through, you know, kind of a team thing or team event. Um, you, you know, you know when to be a follower, know when to be a leader. But if you have an idea, you have to pitch it with that confidence because if guys see that you're like, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking, they're going to be like, ah. But if you're like, hey, we need to do this because X, Y, and Z, man, most dudes are going to turn to that follower mode and back you up on that so you guys at least as a team can make the right or wrong decision depending on the event. But um, when you have too many guys, you know, the, the whole saying of too many chiefs and not enough Indians, it, it's kind of detrimental, especially in that environment. All right. So we also asked the guys, what did they learn about themselves um, during selection? And let me set some context here because we asked them this question the night or the day after, like eight or nine hours after they just got done with the last event, which is a very emotional, very strenuous event. And the time changed that night too, which also robbed them of an hour of sleep. So Keep that in mind, um, but Billy's answer really stood out to me here, so I'm going to go ahead and read what he wrote. So the question was, what did you learn about yourself during selection? And nine hours after the completion, Billy wrote that I'm able to adapt, perform, and focus under some less than favorable conditions. I learned that I will be the guy who can pick up my team, keep them in the fight, and still contribute myself. My beliefs, convictions make me unbreakable. Um, so give me your thoughts on that, Billy, now that you're kind of, um, two weeks away from writing that. Yeah, that's one of those things where from the first one, the second one, there was no, um, shift in those convictions. And, and what I mean by that is the operators here are amongst the best, um, warriors just in general out there. And the mission sets that we do here. Is it's along those lines of, man, it doesn't matter what the task is. We are going to be able to get in that fight. And so when I look back at that process, like that's what I imagine everyone's kind of feeling, man, is you want to be that guy that's going to keep your dudes in the fight, get online, and, uh, and, and make an unbreakable unit that's going to just take it to the enemy. I kind of ask you what I – a similar question to what I asked you about your first selection, but what were some of the things you saw um, some of the guys who didn't get picked up doing this time? What were some of those things that you identified maybe even early on and probably gave them some feedback on of that was disrupting their ability to be successful? So the guys who were struggling out of the gate were the ones who before anything even started, it was um, uh, almost like excuses or like if things don't go well, they're kind of softening the, the battlefield. And what I mean by that is like, talking about being inexperienced or they haven't done this in a long time or this, that, and the other, where the guys who were successful, man, some of them were banged up from overtraining, whatever, whatever the case might've been, they were focused in on, on performing well and not concerned with what they couldn't change at that moment or, you know, kind of self doubt. What were some of the uh, highs that you had during the selection? What were some of the things you walked away from and like, Deep down inside, you like, I just rocked that one. So personal high, there were a couple of guys um, who came up to me and they were like, hey, man, it absolutely sucks that you had to do this again, but I am glad you're here with me. Um, and they told me that, you know, it was one of those things where I helped keep them motivated. And there were a couple of events um, towards the end that they said uh, I helped push them through. And I'll tell you, all those dudes were studs and they would have done it without me. But them taking the time to come tell me that, like that, that was definitely a high. Um, compare the first one with the second one in that last event that we call Xville. Uh, 
Were there any big differences in performance-wise with the team that you had out there? And if so, what do you think the difference was? So the um, between the fall and the spring, when Xfield came, I think the this last go around, guys were maybe um, not as I guess you know physically talented as the first go around, but the team, the team environment this go around was. I mean, it was tight and, I, you know, everyone's hurt and everyone's grinding. That doesn't change through each class. But I felt like, you know, every dude on this one was, was willing to, to go out um, together. Uh, not to say that the fall didn't have that, but it was, it was evident that we were, we were going to ride until the end uh, this March selection. Yeah, I could, we could definitely tell a little bit of a difference too. And again, I don't think it's ever good or bad. We're always, it's human behavior. We're just trying to figure out what we're seeing as we're seeing it. And I think that explains it well. How about something I haven't asked people before and you being an enlisted guy, but officers as they come through OTC and you only had one this time. And I think that for him, I think that made it easier. You know, there's no delineation of what role am I in, but what do you expect from an officer um, as being an enlisted candidate going through? What is their responsibilities from your eyes? And then um, how would you suggest they prep before they come up here for their role? So just just from the enlisted perspective, um, if you're coming up here, one of the things I've seen through special warfare um, officers is that fine line of knowing your guys and being a guy who can be on team and still being a leader and being respected as a leader where you don't want to get to that point where you teeter so far that you're a bro and you can only be perceived as a bro. You have to maintain that level of, um, of leadership where when push comes to shove, there is no question. You are that, sir. You are the guy making the decision. We're going to follow you on there, you know, in the battle. And what I tell the officers coming through is, you know, be in charge, you know, do, do, do what you're supposed to do in terms of leadership, lean on your NCOs, um, but, but don't be someone that the men can't relate to. Man, that is some sound advice. Thanks for that. I know that's it's not always an easy question, but for somebody who's been through two selections that have had that has had officers in both ones, I think your perspective is really sound and unique. And I think the officers would appreciate hearing that. All right, Billy, what are some common traits? So the guys who have been picked up, and you saw the guys who we picked up in the fall when you weren't picked up, and then you saw the crew that you were picked up with here in the spring. What are some of those common traits? What are some of the things that just stand out to you that um, guys out there wondering if they have the metal to come up and do this could hopefully see in themselves? So fortunately, being up here, I get to see not only the dudes picked up, but also the 724 operators in general. And so one of the things you notice out the gate is they're humble. They're some of the most determined. And they're unafraid to improve or push to failure. They've got that fire and forget, you know, mentality where they're going to get the job done. They don't need to be babysat. And they carry themselves at a high standard, both on and off the field. And that's something that I really hold dear to up here is it's not just them crushing it at work, but they're just good family men. They're good husbands. They're good fathers. Um, and, that, and that's something you can't, you know, you can't put a price on that. Um, one of the other things here is you know that everyone is – always training hard they're fighting hard and you just you can rest assured knowing that the guys on your team some of the best warriors in the world awesome answer um so as we're getting ready to conclude this i just i mean you have a stage right now and i think it's important because i mean we're talking about the 724 but my passion lies with our career fields in whole and special warfare operators in general so this stage that you have right now and and having the life that you've had and the experiences you've had and what you're about to undertake, what are some of the things for the guys who are just entering or thinking about entering the special warfare career fields? What are some of the Billy goodness that you could spread out there and just give them some advice as they're starting to undertake this journey? Yeah. So if you're coming into special warfare career fields, whether it's um, special reconnaissance, combat control, pararescue, taxi, one of the things that's going to help you is one, be humble. Two, Seek that critical feedback. Three, you just got to give your best effort. Like we talked about over and over, there is no throttling. Everyone that comes to special warfare volunteered for it. No one forced you into it. Your missions are important. Some of the, I mean, you can't convince me they're not some of the most important on the battlefield at any given time. So hold that near to your heart. 
know what you're working towards is that mission success and it never changes whether you go to your unit as you progress it's nothing changes you still have to treat it as if you're that young hungry dude with the world in front of you awesome answer awesome appreciate that last question because i'm really interested because i think you're going to thrive in otc but what are some of the things that you're looking forward to as otc kicks off this summer uh, I am looking forward to being put in a ton of uncomfortable positions. Um, there are some things that I've never done before that I've heard you do during OTC, and I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm one of those guys where um, there are things I'm scared of, but I, I'll take those head on. And, and there's going to be some things during OTC that um, I'm, I'm going to be nervous to do, but I'm excited to do it. Yeah, I'm excited for you to do it, too. I love watching guys go through OTC because you see this transformation. We bring some really good guys into this organization. And then I think a lot of guys out there who are really good at their jobs, at their units, probably wonder, oh, how much better could I really be? And then you watch guys like that turn into this just beast of an operator at the end of it who has the confidence and the ability to go anywhere that the nation needs them to. It's just impressive. It's just an impressive process. Billy, this has been a wonderful interview for me anyway, and I think for the audience listening, they are going to get a ton out of it. I sure do appreciate you taking the time out uh, out of your day to do this. I appreciate you having me on. Um, And again, I will just tell the audience, I've got to see this guy come through two selections, and both times he was very impressive. but what is most impressive was his ability to adapt, take the feedback in between selections. And he just literally crushed this last one. Wasn't even really a conversation um, when we were making our final decisions this time. It was just a, it, the data in the system was that obvious that it's his time to start OTC. So, Billy, I appreciate it. And uh, I hope that you have the good rest of the day. And I also hope that you remain COVID-19 free as with everybody else out in the audience. Yeah, I appreciate it, sir. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Insight Through Experience podcast. We will be back soon with another episode with another operator. Billy, appreciate it, buddy. Yep, thanks.